0: This is the Music Therapy Chronicles podcast interview with Amber Rogers.
1: So everything I've done has been such a hard climb, but there are so many people who have supported me and and have spent endless amounts of time tutoring me, being in the practice room with me, some of my professors allowing me to come to their houses and helping me edit my papers so much support and I truly believe that um, if you are helped you're supposed to turn around and help someone else you know so 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 I knew that as being a music therapist it's not just about being a clinician which I love different populations but it's it's also my purpose is to turn around and help other music therapists become board certified and I knew that I just didn't know how that would take shape right. So out of all of the things that I have failed in my life, I mean so many things. It just built so, such empathy um, in me. But the one thing that I did not fail the first time was my boards. I passed my boards the first time. And I uh, contribute that to how I prepare for it.
0: You're listening to the Music Therapy Chronicles, a podcast about music therapy from a variety of perspectives. Our ambition is to inspire and connect listeners through meaningful conversations, just like a music therapy conference you can listen to anywhere. My name is Trisha Kayati, and I am a board-certified music therapist from the New England region. If you like what you hear, join our group on Facebook and share your own insights and thoughts about the episodes. You can also connect with us on social media and online at Music Therapy Chronicles. Welcome back to the Music Therapy Chronicles podcast. In today's episode with Amber, she shares so many awesome tips for preparing for the music therapy board exam. So Amber is the founder of Sequel Melody, which provides music therapy services, but also provides tutoring services to individuals preparing for the board exam, whether it's your first time or your, like she says in this episode, 11th time taking the exam. As you heard in the intro to this episode, uh, Amber has such a passion for doing this because she received help preparing for her own exam and wants to give back by doing that. Uh, And just in this, like I said, in just this episode, she shares so much information, so I can only imagine what it's like to actually work with her one-on-one and how Uh, empowered it must feel going into that exam knowing that you have prepared so well with someone who has been working with individuals to do this preparation for three years. It is important to note that Amber and Sequel Melody are not affiliated with the Certification Board for Music Therapists, also known as CBMT, but she has so many success stories and obviously a lot of experience helping individuals prepare for the board exam but again she's not affiliated with CBMT and we just want that to be very clear going into this episode. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Amber. I hope you learn a lot along the way. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe. So it is automatically downloaded to your podcast playing device each week when an episode comes out. You can also find us on social media at Music Therapy Chronicles. And we have a group on Facebook that you are welcome to join. um, And have a conversation. Tell us what you learned. Connect with other listeners. And also, you can support the podcast by becoming a patron on patreon.com. So, let's get into this episode with Amber. All right, Amber, welcome to the Music Therapy Chronicles.
1: Thank you. How this are is you? Awesome.
0: Oh, thank you. I know it's like this nice virtual setting we got. We're very we're getting mm-hmm. used to it, like we were just saying. Yep. Yeah, very
1: comfortable. There's no place like doing music therapy from your own home.
0: Oh yeah, uh, which is quite the um, adaptation, right? Yes. Yes.
1: It's it's um it's been a journey. That's that in and it itself. It's been a journey. Yeah. Getting used to working from home. So.
0: Totally. But, I keep saying to people that it it clashes my personal and professional life in so many ways that I'm just like, I don't know how to do this. And like, how do you create boundaries and separation? And they kind of just don't exist anymore.
1: Nope. And you just flow with it. You just flow with it. My, my husband also works from home and we share an office. Oh, gosh. So it's like, okay, I'm going to have a session at this time. What is your meeting at this time? So it's a lot of. Of collaborating even at home trying to get work done and he's trying to get work done and then we're trying to balance children in the middle so
0: so you so. are busy <laughs> I am
1: not bored at all
0: <laughs> I like that I like that framing
1: <laughs> oh gosh but I just want to thank you for having me on and this is an awesome platform and when you invited me to be a part of it I just started diving into some of the other podcasts and I'm like yeah, this is a great way to get information and over the past couple of years because of my, uh, my, my kids I haven't been able to be a part of as many conferences and dive as deep into getting to know some of my colleagues as much as I would have liked to mm. uh, because of my kids. So this is just another great way to uh, gain information and I really appreciate you for allowing me to be a part of this platform.
0: Of course. Awesome. Thank you. I mean, you're putting great stuff into the world, too, which we're going to get into. But can you start out to li- by, like, painting a picture um, for our listeners? Tell them about yourself, even outside of music therapy.
1: Okay. All right. Well, outside of music therapy, I am a Haitian-born, uh, sweet corn, Jersey girl-raised individual. I um, was adopted from Haiti when I was two years old with my twin brother, Um, And I grew up in New Jersey with uh, two great, amazing parents and my twin and my little brother, um, two brothers. And um, I spent my life in the church. I was homeschooled um, and I spent a lot of time in music schools along the way. That was our kind of our extracurricular thing. So I did a lot of voice lessons and music lessons, piano lessons. And um, I was in. I was probably in, in every choir feature at church, and um, uh, so so that was a big part of my growing up. I I moved around a lot within New Jersey because my dad's military, but I was blessed not to have to move out of state, so most of my life has been in the Garden State. Um, I actually met my husband when I was 13 in Sunday school, and we stayed friends throughout the years because uh, even though he moved around a lot, he's about three three four years older than me and uh so i was 13 he was 16 he was getting ready to go away to college and travel the world as he's as he's done um and i was um kind of just lucky enough to just be able to keep in contact with him over the years and we stayed friends and i got to see him every couple of summers and um sophomore year of college we started dating and he finally decided that He liked me enough to start dating me, which I always knew he did, but you know, guys are in denial. So, (laughs) uh, but we started dating and then we dated for about five, six years, got married. My, uh, after I finished college, I moved to Fort Worth, Texas with my parents. That's where my parents retired to. And he's from Texas. So we could really start seeing each other then. And Uh, A few years later, we got married and five years after that, after we both finished our master's degrees in respective places, um, we had two beautiful little girls. I have an 18-month-old and I have a four-year-old and they run our world. They run our world and we love every bit of it. Oh, and I have Oscar, who's my poodle mix. So he's my third child.
0: (laughs) I can relate to that.
1: (laughs) Yes. So that's a little bit about about my my world outside of music therapy, and I just you know, I just enjoy hanging out with my family. I'm a very introverted person. Uh, so i I just love being home. i'm a, a reader. Uh, I, lo- I love to read when I can when the girls let me. Um, and just so being in this pandemic situation isn't hard for me at all because I don't mind being home. Um, and when I do need to take a walk, I just walk around my block and come back to my little shelter. And, uh, but, but that's who I am in a nutshell, and, and my little family, so.
0: Are you reading anything good right now that you can recommend?
1: Um, I actually read a lot of things. I, I read multiple books at one time. I, I don't like to read um, just one thing, because I get bored, but um, I just, I'm, I'm going through the music therapy journals right now mm-hmm. um, that AMTA sends out. Um, I have some just fun books that I read on New York bestseller list that I like to read. Um, there's another one I like to read that I can't think of, oh, it's called Monday Morning Choices. I like to read that. Um, and just a variety of stuff, so I, I love self-help books, I love self-help books.
0: I'm similar with that. I heard someone say once, uh, that you should or can read books like articles where, you know, whatever interests you at the time, that's what you should read. You don't necessarily need to go cover to cover, uh, which unfortunately has enabled me to start like 20 books that I just haven't finished.
1: (laughs) Yes, but you know what? I don't believe you have to read a book cover to cover. I, I think that if you get the gist of the story, you get the meat of what the book is saying, you get the gold nuggets out of it, you can move on. Who says you have to finish an entire book, you know?
0: Thank you. If, I if it doesn't to hear that. really interest you,
1: right. Yeah, Good. if it doesn't really interest you, move on. It's okay. There are so many books out there.
0: There are. There are so many books out there. So let's get into your business because you are doing some awesome stuff on top of your clinical work. So dive into that for us.
1: All right. Okay. So let me tell you kind of back up and tell you a little bit about how I started in music therapy. So uh, growing up, I heard. I heard about music therapy. My mom was a CNA when I was growing up. And I was about 14 years old, and my mom drugged me everywhere with me, uh, with her. I had to go everywhere. She never took my brothers. I always had to go. <laughs> so I got to meet a variety of her clients who were usually elderly uh, patients. And one of them was an older lady. And at the end of, whenever my mom got finished taking care of people, she would always have me sing a song to them before we left.
0: I love that. So, yeah, so I had
1: to sing a song. Sometimes I liked it, sometimes I didn't. But this one particular lady, I, I sang to her, and she said, um, I was 14 at the time, she said, you should be a music therapist. I have a music therapist come to my house every week. And she said, you would make a great one. Now, I had no idea what music therapy was, and neither was I interested. But I, I know it was back there in my brain somewhere. So I said, oh, thank you. And then I moved on. So fast forward to college, I go to, um, I went to Oklahoma Baptist University. And my whole life, I wanted to major in church music. I wanted to be a church musician. Um, and so, uh, my senior year at OBU, I was going for church music. And my senior year, I woke up one morning and I no longer wanted to be a church musician. I, I just the passion wasn't there. I loved it. I loved everything about church music, praise and worship, all of that. But I knew that that wasn't what I was supposed to be doing. But I didn't really know what I was supposed to be doing. I just knew that wasn't what it was. So. The last semester, I'm like sort of in a panic, and I'm like, what am I gonna do? I just spent almost five years here. What am I gonna do with my life, right? So my piano professor, she, um, she is a friend of music therapy, what you call a friend of music therapy. She didn't know a whole lot about music therapy, but she loved what we did. So she wanted to teach a class on music therapy. She's a piano professor. All she taught was piano. But she decided to do an introduction to music therapy class my last uh, semester at OBU. And it was an elective. And I needed one more elective. So I decided to take the class. And um, and all we did in that class was read books about music therapy and discuss them. That's all we did. And and one of the books we read was, um, I believe, it was Music in Medicine by DeForia Lane. Or mm-hmm. Music as Medicine by DeForia Lane. and. Um, After I read that her story, it just all the pieces fell into place. Like there's like you know like a click moment. Like there's something that switches in your brain, and you're like, "This is part of my purpose. This is what I'm supposed to be doing." So I um, graduated, and I moved back home to Fort Worth with my parents. And I took a year off and rested because I mean, five years any place doing the same thing, you know, you just need a break. Mm -hmm. So I took a break. And then in fall, I went to, I started my studies in 2009 at Texas Women's University. And I got my master's equivalency in music therapy. That took forever, but I got it done. And I absolutely loved it. Um, but um, saying that, there was a lot of people who helped me get to where I am. And one of my struggles growing up was I, I had a really difficult time with reading comprehension. It was really, really hard for me to learn. I have failed more things the first time that I passed, and I think that just built such empathy in me. Like I was, I was the type of student that was so bad at theory uh, that they created a pre-theory class for me at OBU uh-huh. just for me and another student to learn theory. Uh, so that everything I've done has been such a hard climb. But there are so many people who've supported me. And and have spent endless amounts of time tutoring me, being in the practice room with me, some of my professors allowing me to come to their houses and helping me edit my papers. So much support. And I truly believe that um, if you are helped, you're supposed to turn around and help someone else. Mm. You know, so 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 I knew that as being a music therapist, it's not just about being a clinician, which I love, different populations, but it's about It's also my purpose is to turn around and help other music therapists become board certified. And I knew that. I just didn't know how that would take shape, right? So out of all of the things that I have failed in my life, I mean, so many things. It just built such empathy um, in me. But the one thing that I did not fail the first time was my boards. I passed my boards the first time. And I contribute that to how I prepare for it. I contribute that how I compare for it, prepare for it. And, um, so many people just throughout the years have asked me, Amber, what did you do? What did you do? What did you do? And I've found myself like spending hours telling people how I did it. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, they have to find what works for them. But what I was telling people was really helping them. And I've heard so many success stories from it. Um, I've been tutoring people for three years, three years um, since 2018, uh-huh. and I I've gotten just some amazing testimonials that I, I could share some great stories with you. But um, so so yeah, so that's how it started. Um, I me just helping other people and my passion for growing this profession. I want to see this profession go. Um, CB&T, three years ago, statistics came out that um, first-time test takers passed at like 73%. That was 73% was first-time passing rate. It's gone down this year to 70%. So I'm even more focused on, okay, what do I need to do? How do I need to help these um, students cross that finish line? What can I do to support them? And I'm more passionate about it than ever. So. So yeah, that's what I love to do. Um, that's how I got into doing this. I've been doing it for three years. I have, uh, I started out um, tutoring people one-on-one just, we meet, met at coffee shops. And then I was like, oh, well, maybe I could do this for a larger group. And it, and it started with my school, um, my, my peers from my school. And then I started doing little workshops, what I call boot camps, mm-hmm. at uh, hotels in, in Texas. I say, "Hey, come out to the boot camp," and we would spend eight hours just like prepping for this exam. Um, and then, you know, people started saying, "Hey, Amber, is your information online anywhere? Do you have any way that, you know, I can participate?" And I'm so far away, and I and I did it. And then I thought about it, and then. I was like, how can I get this out there, right? So uh, COVID has happened, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go online. I'm going to do a live online course, and that has been really, really successful. Um, my last, uh, I started live online music therapy in May, and wow. the groups that I've had come through since May have just been awesome so I do live online courses. I do live in-person boot camps, but my biggest group uh, clientele would be all of my virtual tutoring students that I tutor from. I mean, I have students from um, the East Coast, mid, you know, Midwest, all the way to the West Coast, you know, California. So I tutor at all hours of the morning. I'm a morning tutor mostly mm-hmm. and weekend tutor, um, but yeah, I, I, I just love it. I, I, I've had the opportunity to meet some amazing people.
0: Yeah. What an awesome, um, resource that you are and that you've created and that so many people need. Um, I've heard some people say that that 70% st- statistic, you know, they're like, well, it's a gateway to make sure that people who are getting into the profession are you know, really ready. And, um, I don't know that I see it that way personally. I think a lot of it is just like, can you play to the exam, you know?
1: Yeah, I I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, I think what's great about a profession too is that there's no cutoff. Like you don't pass three times or something and you can't take it anymore. Cause mm-hmm. like, you know, on medical professions and other professions like that, that you there's a cutoff, you know but our profession allows us to take it as many times as we need to to pass it and a a large percentage of my clientele are repeat test takers so i've learned so much from them to be able to go back and help the ones who've not taken it before hey avoid these pitfalls you know um and um as of recently i believe in january a lot of registered music therapists who were registered in you know now have to take their boards because their registered music therapy the licensure no longer is, is is valid. So I get a lot of of um, those test takers who are older, mm. who are older, and they're repeating it, um, and they've had incredible careers as music therapists. They've had amazing careers, like beyond me. Like I've just I've just enjoyed soaking up their knowledge. And a lot of uh, my clientele, their music therapy is a second uh, profession for them so, so one of my clients, he was a music educator for 30 years and said, you know, once he, he retired, he's like, I want to go back for music therapy. And so, uh-huh. so he's, um, he's going through the program with me and everything. And um, there's just so many that I, I tutor those who have never taken it all the way to those who've taken the exam almost 10 times. So it's, it's a, it's, it's, it's so there's so many people who wanna go through this door that can if they just work hard to, to prepare properly.
0: Yeah, so when uh, you do your recertification every five years, do you retake the exam or do you submit continuing ed credits?
1: <laughs> no, I submit continuing ed credits.
0: Now I do know some perf- uh,
1: colleagues who prefer to take the, retake the exam. I don't like that kind of pressure. Mm. I, that's too stressful, and I actually enjoy reading, so I like taking CMTEs and seeing what's new is out there, um, as you, you know, and, and taking different classes. So that 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 fits me. I do not like. I will not take this certification <laughs> again. Nope, nope, nope.
0: That's how I feel no too. No, thank you. Yeah, my <laughs> colleagues. I had a colleague say to me once. Uh, he was like, "Oh yeah, I just retake the board exam every five years because it's cheaper and quicker." And I was like, "Yeah, but the anxiety—I would have so much anxiety all the time." <laughs> I would not be able to sleep.
1: Either. Like, year four, I'd be like, "Oh, I've got to take the exam next year." No, yeah, I can't do that to myself.
0: Awesome. So, do you have like a couple of those really great stories that stick out that you want to share with the listeners?
1: Um. Yeah. So. Yeah. So one of my clients, um, she is in her sixties her RMT expired and she took, I mentioned it, she took her exam 10 times by the time I met her Wow! and she'd taken it over a three year period, 10 times, three year period.
0: So yes. were these fails?
1: These were fails. Wow. Yes. So she found me in January and we started working together and I just poured in her into her for five months. You know, this is, the books I want you to read, this is recommendations for how to study, um, and, and and basically I kind of assess how they're studying, what they're reading, what does their um, preparation look like, and then I'm like, okay, have you tried this? And what have you done differently over the past three years? Because I believe that you can't do the same things. If you're a repeat test taker, you can't do the same thing and expect different results. Mm-hmm. Right. So you have to do something different. We have to do something different. And just coming and doing tutoring with me is not really different. You know, (laughs) (laughs) I get that. It's like, what have you done differently? Well, I'm tutoring with you, Amber. Like, no, 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 no. That's 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 not the same. That's not the different I'm talking about. (laughs) So anyway, we studied together for about five months and she took her exam a couple of weeks ago and she passed. And on her eleventh try, can you believe that on her eleventh try. And so she's so excited now. She can. Um, she really wanted to work with a certain population at this specific hospital, so she's going to reapply for that position, and hopefully she gets in. Um, uh, another, another client I had. She, uh, well, let me think about this. This one, one guy. He is, uh, music therapy is a second career for him. And I told you he's a music educator for about 30 years. Um, And he took the exam twice and um, he didn't pass. And then we started working together for the past two months now. He's getting ready to take his exam again, but he is also terminally ill. Mm. And so his goal for passing the exam is that he just wants to have the MTBC behind his name. Aww right that's that's his goal and i tell people you know if for, when you're studying for this exam you need a really strong why what is your reason for wanting to be a music therapist because that's going to carry you through the hard times when it's hard to study when you don't understand when you feel overwhelmed when your anxiety peaks up like you really need to remember what your why is of why you're studying and so for him it's so that he can have those credentials behind his name others it's you know they want to work with a certain population um, another lady who's a successful um, pianist in Philadelphia uh, wonderful amazing career her why is she wants to write a book for other music therapists like she, so so yes yeah, so remembering what, what what your why is during your preparation period will really help you carry you through those times
0: yeah. Wow, you you are just like such a light to want to give give so much to that, and like you must be so invested in these people's stories, and like they're going through this difficult thing, and you're just being there for them, and oh, that's so awesome. I mean, I I
1: never would have thought that that um, this really is music therapy in a different way. You know, I thought I I I am a Um, school-based music therapist. That is my full-time job, right? So I'm definitely a clinician and I'm also a private practice music therapist where I have, I work well with a lot of adolescents in my home. Um, So the tutoring, the the prep and all of that is really kind of like my side hustle, but it's really turned into something i'm really really passionate about and love the most so i enjoy every moment of it and it's something that i can see uh, doing for a long time because i feel like it's part of my purpose Mm. of being a music therapist it is my why i'm a music therapist it's definitely a big part of my why
0: yeah yeah and i i'm the type of person who has a lot of difficulty investing in myself if that makes sense so for anyone listening like this is the resource if you're prepping for this exam it's i'm going to say it's worth it like if you have all these success stories and like you've had experience doing this for 3 years um what a great way to to prepare yourself for your future to prepare yourself yeah. for success
1: and um you know there's a different there's a lot of different ways that you can work with me you know there's my live online courses Or if you don't have time to do the live online, you can just tutor with me one-on-one or, you know, or just, or just email me and, and, and ask me, you know, Hey, I'm looking for resources. um, and I don't have a lot of time. I am so available. So I'm, I will, I will eventually email you back if you ask (laughs) me a question. So please don't, don't hesitate to contact me for, for any reason.
0: Awesome. So have you seen the exam change over time? Does that make sense? Um, well,
1: Well, the exam changes every, every year, every August, the, or I'm sorry, every April the, cha- the, the exam is updated. Mm-hmm. This year the exam is, will be updated in August because they're updating the domains. So th- this will be the biggest change. Um, so it does change a little bit every year, but August is a big change. And and if you look at the domains, they're not really um, different. They're just adding some new ones, and they're adding some uh, a, a safety section. So there will be some safety. So you'll you'll want to know your universal precautions really really well. And uh, but th- that's the biggest change. Yeah. That's the biggest
0: change. That's a good tip. When I was preparing for my, or it must, must have been just after I took my exam, um, they had done another change like that, and I remember thinking, "Thank God, I'm done <laughs> with my exam before that happens." Because I had I had peers who were getting ready, and I was like, "Hey, did you know this happened?" And they they had no idea, and I was like, well, you better look at that on CBMT because it's probably going to be on there. <laughs> yes.
1: So yes, so please remember if you're taking your exam after August 1st, there are new domains. The old ones are still on there, so make sure you still you have the updated domains. Hmm. Um, the The old ones are only good until August 1st. so you'll definitely want to look at those.
0: Awesome. So what is your your vision? for the future, for it's sequel Melody, right? Yeah, sequel I know, Melody. I don't know if we've said that yet. So for the people yeah, listening. So it's,
1: for, for people looking for me, my website is uh, www.sequelmelody.com. And if you're wanting to, needing help preparing for the exam, please check me out over there. My, my vision um, for the next five years is to get in front of students as much as I can, before they take the exam. Hmm. And I think that that will increase the passing rate um, so that, you know, we don't have to do a whole bunch of, uh, we don't have the increase in test takers that we're starting to have. So I want to, my goal is to get in front of them at their universities, their schools. So I want to start getting into the universities and, and saying, hey, you know, you know, start, start, looking at this, start preparing this way, here are some recommendations. Um, I want to get into the schools. And I, I've really been blessed that I uh, had my first uh, school interview a couple of weeks ago, Congrats. Uh, workshop, yeah, um, with Immaculata. So that was really cool getting to talk to those students, a lot of them getting ready to take their exam for the first time. And uh, thank you, shout out to Immaculata for letting me have that platform. It was It was a lot of fun. It
0: was a lot of fun. Awesome. Do you see this becoming like a college course or just kind of being there to offer? Um, you know, I, I think it would be amazing if it was
1: a college course because I think colleges you know universities have have so much to teach. they, they have so much to teach and to cover and their job is really to prepare you to the, for the exam to a certain extent. But their job is to give you all of the content that you need for you to be a good music therapist, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Taking this exam is not just about memorizing content. It's about being able to apply what you've learned as a music therapist in a perfect world CBMT scenario, right? So my job is to come in there and teach you how to think about this test, how to prepare for this test, how to critically think for this test, Um, one of the things that I've learned, if I can give a tip is, um, a lot of times clients will, will rely on notes that they've gotten from other, you know, from other, um, students, their, their colleagues, those who've passed, they'll rely on those notes or just quizlet and they'll finish their internship and they'll study for a little bit and they'll go take their tests. I highly, highly recommend, if you don't mind me, letting me sneak in some tips. I'd love um, i love <laughs> that. I highly, highly recommend that um, students take their time to prepare for this exam. I know that once you finish internship, you're kind of anxious to get out there and start working, but be gentle with yourself, give yourself time. If you have not really been preparing to take your boards in internship, Don't assume that once you finish your internship, you've learned all that you need to know about your boards and relying on your past years of four years of school, and now you're ready to go take it. Give yourself at least four weeks after you finish your internship to just be able to study, to digest content, to read. Uh, You'd be surprised at how many clients, they are not really readers. They are good at memorizing, and I think on the university level, it's really great about being able to teach you how to quickly read notes, memorize, plug in right answer choices, mm-hmm. right—that's that's what that's what we're really good and trained to do. But critical thinking skills um, is a little bit—it's a little bit more challenging, takes more time, and once you're finished school, you don't really prepare for your boards that way. A lot of times, mm-hmm. people don't take the time to just sit with the material and read, or make sure that they have the right material. Um, you'd be surprised at at how many students sell back their music therapy books or give them away or they don't have the tools that they needed because they thought, okay, I finished this class. I don't need this book anymore. No, you need every last book. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Please keep all of your books and materials. You need them Um, and you need to take your time. So I think four weeks minimum to prepare for your exam after internship, six weeks is a sweet spot. And you shouldn't go past eight weeks. That's just studying too long. So, for minimum, six weeks is your sweet spot. Don't go past eight weeks. That's my personal recommendation. And all of this is my personal recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, uh, I've seen from experience that a lot of it works. So, and oh, another tip um, I highly recommend that as, as soon as you can during your internship or right after your internship, to take your uh, self-assessment exam or self or the practice exam mm-hmm. there are two forms of the practice exam there's a and b if you've never taken any of them you if you um uh, practice exam b is most reflective currently of the current exam so i recommend taking your practice exam b uh, because it will give you a great idea of of the type of terminology, how to critically think, how to think about the questions that are reflective on the exam. If you score below a 90 on the practice exam, I recommend studying for a few weeks, really diving deep into the strengths and weaknesses of that exam. And then go back and take practice exam A. I think it will, you'll, you want to see how well you know how well your critical thinking skills have gone up because it's still good content. It's really good content and it will teach you how to think about the test. So you want all of the practice that you can get, especially if you have time, which a lot of us seems to have time these days <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's my tip on that one.
0: Yeah, those are so useful. And I'll say from my experience, uh, I had one professor in college and she would prepare her exams or make her exams to be very similar to what I found out the board exam was like but back in college I remember thinking these questions are so strange and no one else words their questions this way why are her tests so hard so uh if you are like me (laughs) in that situation where you're like why is this one teacher you know Making her exams or his exams this way, it's probably because they're really preparing you for the board exam. Yes. And no one else is doing that. They're looking for the plug-and-play answers, the memorization, mm-hmm. like you said.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and you still, you know, and I'm not against those, you know, quick notes and Quizlet. They have their place. They they're great. Um, if you're not part of the MTBC study group, I think it's a great resource for those who just like need resources and need a community of people who are preparing for their exam too. It's a great resource, great platform, and I, I'm, I'm grateful for it. Um,
0: Is that on Facebook? Sorry. That's on Facebook. It's a
1: Facebook group. There yes. You. Got it. Yes. MTBC study group. So be a part of that. It's, it's a great resource. You can um, find, if you have questions, specific questions, people are really great about responding and giving you feedback. Um, but But if I could give you another tip, Um, I highly recommend uh, finding a study partner, Mm. not a study group. Okay, so a study partner is just one or two other people. I truly believe that I passed my boards the way that I did because I had two study partners that we we met weekly. Uh, I was taking my exam for the first time. One was taking hers for the third time, and the other one was taking hers for the sixth time. And we studied for about a month together. Uh, And when one of us couldn't meet, I got together with the other one. So having one or two um, people to study with weekly um, is, is great because they show you your blind spots. They show you what you don't know. And it gives you more time to talk you need to talk out this information as much as you can. Concepts, theories, theoretical orientations, um, terminology. You need to, you would be surprised at how well you think you know information that you don't really know. Because once you start talking about it and you go on a tangent, you really don't know it. So I say if you can explain a concept within, uh, within, within three to four sentences, you know it. And then if you can explain it enough, for someone who has no idea about the topic you're talking about and they get it, you know it. You can, if you can teach it, you know it. So a study partner will help you build those skills and, and provide that support and even just like encouraging each other. I mean, like we had so many cry sessions. I cannot, you know, the yep. hormones were going, you know, the stress level gets real <laughs> after a while. So, so just having those support systems around you are very, very helpful very helpful. So study partner, if you can, try to, try to be, have one, try to have one.
0: Love that. Love that. Do you have any other tips you want to share? (laughs) I have so many, uh, I could go.
1: (laughs) (laughs) How many time? how much time do we have? As
0: much time as you Um, want. It's your episode.
1: (laughs) Um, I'll give you a couple more. I'll give you a couple more. Um, So another, another thing that I learned about is that uh, they assume that because they're good test takers in school or that they, if they have a really good GPA or they're really good students, they tend to think that they're going to do really, really well on this exam. Mm. And that's uh, that can be a false positive. Also if you get a great score on your self-assessment exam, it can also be a false indicator of how well you're going to do on the actual exam. So I just want you I want people to be aware of their um, of their own biases.
0: Mm-hmm. right?
1: So don't don't be overconfident just because you assume that you're a good test taker that you're going to do well. I work with so many repeat test takers who thought they were good test takers. And this exam is about the application of music therapy. It's about um, being able to apply what you know, not being able to uh, just multiple choice your way into. Uh, passing this so it will challenge you also be gentle with yourself don't um i think i think a lot of people have high anxiety about taking this boards because of the expectations they've placed on themselves or other people have placed on them Mm. Um, this is your journey this is not someone else's journey you know this is you will pass these boards you will uh but but Study, but don't study so much that you miss out on other parts of your life. But don't don't understudy, obviously. But <laughs> but, but but have a study schedule. I, I always recommend write out your study schedule. If you meet your studying goals and, uh, for that day, move on and do something else. Your brain is a muscle, and it needs rest, and it needs complete rest. I I believe that you should study six days a week. There should be a seventh day where there's no studying, but whatever whatever that looks like for you. There needs to be a day where your brain does nothing, but just binge out on whatever you want to do that day. You know, so be gentle with yourself. Have a study schedule. Have a plan. Um, and and whenever you're doing your um, your planning, try to plan your study, what you're going to study the next day the night before, so that you're you don't have wasted time. Um, and if you, if you do that, it will lower your anxiety. You will get up in the morning. You're like, okay, I'm going to tackle this topic today. I'm going to spend three hours t- tackling this topic, and then I'm going to be done for the day. So try to plan out your study schedule um, daily. And the best way to do that is I tell people, get out a scheduler uh, Monday through Friday or Saturday, however whatever your day looks like. And if you if your day starts at eight o'clock, you know, your, your day starts at eight o'clock. Wind back the clock two hours. So um, try to get an hour or two before your day starts. I would study sometimes four thirty five in the morning to about seven. You know, and then I have to be to work at eight. This uh, this time of your life is a sacrifice, but it's a short period of time. So you have to sacrifice to be able to pass these boards. So. It may seem hard, you may not be a morning person, but you're gonna to have to figure out how to get in, I say a minimum of three hours a day of studying, a, a minimum of three hours. That's how long this exam is. You need to be able to study at least three hours and they don't have to be consecutive hours, but try to place in three hours a day of study um, and try to start your day with studying and try to end your day with studying, right? And, um, uh, there's also a difference between with, with your study method. Well, let me go back to, to planning your time. So whenever you're planning your study schedule, put in all of the times. Say you start your day at 8, you're going to start your day at 6. 6 to all the way if you go to bed at 10, your day is going to end at 9. So put, plug in all of the times that you are not available to study. You are not available. You have work, you have to exercise, you have things to do with your kids, you have just all of the hours, block them out that you are not available. And then the hours that are left, those are your study times. That's where you plug in your studying time. And you will be be surprised at how much more you are successful if you have a schedule to go by. Um, Try to get in three hours uh, a day. Uh, the week before your exam, I recommend getting in five to six hours. It is possible. Mm-hmm. Five to six hours. The day before your exam, I don't recommend studying that at all. Like, at all. Like, your brain needs a complete and total shutdown day. And, um, and so that's that's how I would do your, your study plan. Also, when you're studying, there's a difference between um, active studying and passive studying. So active studying is where uh, you're doing the hard stuff first. You'd be surprised that uh, so many people, uh, my clients, they they tend to focus on the area that they did their internship in because it's the most comfortable, Mm -hmm. right? They focus their studying. If you worked in school-based setting, you'd be surprised at how much of your studying time is focused on school-based area or mental health or rehab or whatever you're comfortable with. That's where you do your most studying. But your active studying should be the stuff that's hard. So whatever you start your day or whatever you start studying, think about, do do a setting that you don't work in, that you're not familiar with. Study a setting that you're not familiar with, the terminology, the concepts, the theories. Study the hard stuff that's uncomfortable first. That way you will feel very accomplished even if you don't study that much through the rest of your day that you got the hard stuff done first, right? And that's active studying. Studying the hard stuff first is active studying. Like you have to engage. There's no way that you can just um, kind of zone out. You know, there's there's specific ways to actively study, but uh, I'll save you the details. Passive studying is um, studying uh, that doesn't require as much brain power. So passive studying is like doing the Quizlets before you go to bed, YouTubing. Different diagnoses, things that are that are don't require as much activity. And you start to passive study um, the further you go into your day, just naturally, because you, you start to get tired. So active study as much as you can at the at the when you're freshest, and then that'll start to lean into passive studying, which is completely fine. We need that too. Passive and active studying is all part of studying. So it all fills the three hours uh, minimum of your study day.
0: Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. If I, if I was a student right now prepping for the exam, I'd be taking notes on this (laughs) and then, and then studying this so I could study for the exam and the way you're recommending.
1: Yes. So hopefully those tips are helpful. Um, Make sure you do plenty of brain breaks. Um, Mm -hmm. Your brain is a muscle. Your brain is a muscle. It needs time to to rest. And I, I say study a little bit even before you go to bed because your brain still processes information as you sleep. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't have to be intense studying, but get some terms in your head, do your flashcards in your head. And I can go on for another an hour about uh, flashcards and how great they are and how to do them. But I'll say you all now that, uh, but hopefully the, the, those tips were a good start. It's a good starting place.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think so. Um, I love the, the passion you speak with about this and I love that this is how you have found a way to help people more on top of being a music therapist yourself. And, um, it's just really wonderful what you're doing. I'm, I'm so happy to have heard it from you and to have had this conversation with you and be able to recommend you and your services as a resource for people moving yes. forward.
1: Thank you. Thank you. It's, uh... I I love what I do. I love what I do. And I want it to grow. And, um, every time someone passes their boards, I feel like I passed all over again. It's like a real high It, It gives me a real high. So, um, if you're a first time test taker, come see me. If you're, um, repeating and needing support on taking this exam, come see me. I, I walk with people, um, until they take this test i've i've been working with one individual for seven years and she finally passed her boards uh, a couple months ago so so it doesn't matter how long it takes i would love to be a resource for whoever needs it and and walk with them for however long it takes that's that's what i'm here for that's what i do that's what i love
0: wonderful do you have anything you want to add uh before we move into our rapid fire questions um um. Gosh.
1: I I think the last thing I would say is, um, understand. Think about how you learn best. How you learn best. That one way doesn't work for everybody. There are people who they can just read notes. They can just you know do a couple quizlets here, take a test, and pass. That's not the majority of us, right? Um, 80% of us, or 70% of us are visual learners, um, and 20% are auditory. So you need to know how you learn best, and don't put your how you learn in a box. Like, figure out multiple ways to learn. There's YouTube. If you're not a reader, figure out how to get the information Without having to read for hours and hours. YouTube is a wonderful resource. Talk about me if you want to, but I'm a very big visual learner. I have to see it. And not all of us have the opportunity to sit in the hospital setting or do our internships in school based settings. But you know what? We can watch how other music therapists do that through their organizations, through their personal websites, through YouTube, through uh, association websites. So, so. Think outside of the box of how to get information. If you're stuck on a concept that you don't understand or you want to learn more about, I mean, because once you start getting into aphasia, dysphasia, dysarthria, and all of those, it just you know it all starts to bleed together. Mm-hmm. But if you watch videos of people who actually live with it, it's like something clicks, right? So so understand how you learn. If you are a, a visual person, draw things out on on. Big Post-it notes, watch videos, do all those things. If you're an auditory learner, talk. Start talking to yourself. Read to yourself out loud. You'd be surprised how you don't want to disappoint yourself when you talk to yourself in the mirror. So talk concepts out to yourself in the mirror. You know, um, you you need to hear yourself learning. So, so yeah, that's all I'm gonna say. That's all I got.
0: Awesome. <laughs> more more to come. See see Amber for her services. But yes. that you have shared so much in this episode. Thank you. Thank you so much <laughs> for that.
1: You're
0: welcome. Awesome. So welcome. to start us off in the rapid fire, are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. Coffee or tea?
1: Oh, I live on coffee. It's not <laughs> good. <laughs> but when you have an 18 month old and a four year old, and you, I do most of my tutoring in the morning. Sometimes it's at 6am. I tutor people that early. Um, and I, I tend to stay up later. So so definitely coffee. I try not to drink it all day. I, I give myself a max of three cups. But okay. yes, <laughs> I have a coffee. But I do like tea at night, but mostly mm-hmm. coffee person.
0: Awesome. Early bird or night owl? Um, I'm actually neither. I, I'm a middle-of-the-day
1: person, but I've been forced to be a morning person over mm-hmm. the years with my kids. If I, if I want to accomplish anything purposeful, I have to get up early to do it, so... Uh, or if I want to tutor uh, students, I have to get up really early to do that because some of them are on the East Coast. I'm in Texas, so some of them are the East Coast, some are on the West Coast. So yeah, I, I, I tutor really early and just to have quiet time before my day starts, I get up early. So I've been a forced morning person.
0: Something you would tell your younger self? Um.
1: I would tell myself to to not compare yourself with other people mm. and that what God has for you is for you and his timing is perfect. His timing is perfect and um, just run your own race, run your own race and whatever, what you have to contribute to the world is, is just as important as anybody else's.
0: Well yeah. said. Yeah, your music therapy elevator speech. Oh gosh! <laughs> oh, that is so funny.
1: I, I know everybody has does that differently, but I would say music therapy is the use of music by board certified music therapists to help people with a variety of, of challenges. You know, to help them meet their personal goals. Um, whether they're physical, uh, emotional, um, whatever it is uh, that they're going through, and 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 if they uh, they they can receive support through through music. So so that's
0: kind of what it is. Well done. Your favorite self-care practice? Oh, um, I am a
1: reader in the bathtub. Ah. I like to read books in the bathtub.
0: Good. Something that's currently adding value to your life. Hmm. I would say uh,
1: walks. I um, being in the house a lot and you know social distancing, it's you know the walls do start to close in on you after a while, so. I've actually really enjoyed taking walks lately, just around my neighborhood. Being outside is very grounding, mm-hmm. you know, and I, you, I've you, had a lot of time to kind of slow down in some areas, so it's been really nice to take early morning walks and just be with my own thoughts. Yeah.
0: yeah. Your favorite song or intervention to use in a session Or I guess you could switch that for your favorite tutoring technique or something along those lines. Well,
1: I can tell you um, my favorite books for prepping for the exam. I'll give you my top three favorite things to read that I recommend. Um, So if you are working on critical thinking skills, I highly recommend reading uh, anything from the Journal of Music Therapy. Try to read two to three articles. I don't care what it is, but the topics in there are so dense and full of good information um, and there it requires a lot of critical thinking to understand it. So anything from the Journal of Music Therapy, I think, is wonderful. Um, of course, you know, if you're prepping, you need your Hanser. I believe we're on the third edition. So um, your, the new Music Therapist Handbook, your Hanser. And then... <clears throat> Um, if you're working on treatment planning you're you're struggling in kind of the treatment planning implementation area I really love reading case studies you have to read treatment planning is just all about applying music therapy skills practice so read as many case studies as you can I don't care where it comes from the journal of music therapy has great case studies um, but there's this book called treatment planning for music therapy cases it's by Anita Gadberry And it's a great place to start for just starting to read about um, different case studies. And what I like about her book is that she gives you the domains and then she gives you a case study for that domain. So those are my favorites. Oh, I got to give you one more. Yes, please. (laughs) Um, If you are working, uh, if you're studying the rehab setting and you need a good source where uh, you feel like you're winning, like it's not a hard read, like it's you can... You can apply this stuff tomorrow, and every bold term in there needs to be on a flashcard and memorized. It's called um, "Clinical Guide to Music Therapy in Adult Physical Rehabilitation Settings." Uh, Clinical Guide to Music Therapy in Adult Physical Rehabilitation Settings, and it's by Elizabeth Wong. Awesome. And anything to do with rehab, it's 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 a great resource. Dysphagia, aphasia, dysarthria, all of those ages.
0: <laughs> awesome. I will link those in the show notes for everybody to find. Um, Cause yeah, yeah, I'm familiar with a few of those. And Dr. Gadberry, Dr. Swanson, uh, was one of my professors in college. So oh,
1: awesome.
0: Yeah, yep. that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So awesome. I I love that. You've shared so much helpful information um, in this episode, and I really thank you for making the time. Uh, My last question for you is where can the listeners find you and connect with you?
1: Yes. If you want to connect with me, you can find me at www.sequelmelody.com or sequamelody at gmail.com.
0: Awesome. And those will be linked as well everyone can find you and learn from you learn with you and um, yeah awesome.
1: thank you for having me this has just been great this this has been a great uh, opportunity and i really appreciate your platform and sharing it with me
0: of course of course thank you so much for everything you're doing um i'm excited to to hear more testimonials and hear success stories and see people excited about learning instead of uh feeling pressure and anxiety about this exam yeah
1: Yes, exactly. And, and this should be something that um, even though it's, you're, you're taking an exam, it's a, an exam you have to take, studying for it should be enjoyable because this is the profession that we chose. Yes. So, so try to push past uh, the anxiety part of having to take this exam. Just enjoy the studying part for studying's sake and know that anything that you're studying is only going to contribute to your success. Like you can't study the wrong thing if you're reading something from the books so just enjoy it enjoy the process
0: love that love that so much thank you thank you so much for being on the show and making the time to talk with me today
1: you're welcome
0: have a wonderful weekend you too Bye. bye is just such a wealth of knowledge and shared so much in this episode. And I hope that those of you listening who are prepping for the exam will seek out her services and learn even more so you can go to the exam feeling as prepared as possible. As always, you can find us on social media at Music Therapy Chronicles and join our group on Facebook. Uh, Also, you can support the podcast by becoming a patron on patreon.com. And for as little as a dollar a month, you can have the opportunity to ask guest questions. So when I schedule an interview with a guest, I will post that on Patreon and you can ask your questions for that guest there in being on the show or there's someone you'd like us to reach out to you can let us know by sending an email to feedback at music thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this week's episode our quote this week comes from amber and it is it takes a community to achieve a common goal